Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. All right. We've had a, a great week weather-wise here. The sun's shining. Uh, Rachel's been out on the deck. I got a tan <laughs> going on. Wow. Yeah. And we're all feeling better after that episode from last week. It was uh, my first time being, uh, quote-unquote, psychically attacked on the show. Poor, poor Rachel had that uh, a few episodes ago with our listener Rob and his many many spirits coming yeah. through and uh, yeah I got I got the brunt of whatever came through with our guest last time around and it wasn't fun I was uh, I got withdrawn I couldn't I couldn't formulate a sentence couldn't get my mouth to work and you know I sounded like I was drunk and brand new at all at the same time and then I got all you know I felt uh, aggression towards our guest. You know, and I and I was like, "What the hell's wrong with me? What's going on here?" And that's never happened to me before. But it it sure woke me up, and uh, I uh, did my absolute best to protect myself this time around. Because you never know what's going to come through with uh, these two fellas that we've got. <laughs> and we're heading far south, right down to the Big yeah. Easy in New Orleans, and we are welcoming brothers David and Mark. From New Orleans Ghost Hunters. Gentlemen, welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Hey, how you doing? Hey, we're thank doing, you for we're, having us. We're doing well. Dang, David, thank you for showing up. We were <laughs> touch and go there. We were worried about you. Mark thought you might have dropped up, you know, stopped at the strip joint and laid a few bucks <laughs> you know, down. I, but you you know, actually, I was preoccupied doing something else, and then I oh. realized the show was on, and then I tried to turn on my computer, and then I had all kind of problems connecting, so we're, we're oh, here now. Yeah. Okay. The script joint was a much better story, man. So you just went with it. <laughs> David and Mark, you got your brothers. You're part of uh, New Orleans Ghost Hunters. You've been doing this for a long time. And I'm sure you have some fantastic stories, especially from New Orleans. You know, the folklore, the haunted folklore that comes out of that city and, and surrounding areas. Uh, the romanticized voodoo culture, the vampire culture. Uh, can you guys tell us how you got started? Well, I'll kind of I'll kind of lead off first. Where uh, we both grew up in a house experiencing paranormal activity, and it's the same with a lot of paranormal groups. They start the same way. Uh, grew up in a house uh, experiencing paranormal activity, saw stuff, heard stuff, experienced stuff. In fact, we kind of still experience stuff in that house to today. Uh, and it happened so much, I thought it was normal. You know, I thought it happened to everybody. Um, until as I got older and started talking to people and found out that it doesn't happen to everybody. You know, they kind of looked at me kind of strange. Then uh, back in 2010, I was flipping channels on a TV and they had this show coming on called Ghost Hunters. And so, well, this sounds interesting. I think I'll watch it and see what it's about. And I watched it and I learned that you could actually capture evidence of the paranormal. So that got me thinking. And um, so it, it was... Um, I'm, I'm trying to get ahead of myself here. So it had me thinking about maybe forming a, a paranormal ghost hunting group just to uh, validate experiences I had. And by that, I mean to capture evidence, to prove that what I saw was real. I just not capture anything and say, well, no, nah, it's, it's not real. It was my imagination. That's all hocus pocus you see on TV. So that, that was, like I said, that was literally um, my in inception behind a group. Uh, the impetus for me wanting to form the group. And I uh, presented Mark with the idea, and he was all on board. So basically, that's that's how we started the group. So what kind of activity were you experiencing uh, in your Well, home? you know, the, the first one was uh, when Mark was just about a year old. Uh, he was, and I think I was nine, and we were in the back room in the house, which was a nursery for him, and I was playing with him. And I happened to glance down the hallway, and I noticed a, a figure which resembled my great-grandmother who was dead. Uh, she came off the stairs, floated across the hallway into the front bedroom. And I saw her as clear as day. But even then, I was, I was skeptical. And through the years, I continued to see stuff around the house, hear stuff, uh, see stuff in the backyard. Uh, I remember one time, I, just, I, was in high, I believe I was a senior in high school. And I, used to, I had a shop in the yard. I used to work on model airplanes. And one night I was back there and I saw 
something passed the window. So I thought it was maybe just a reflection from a car, its headlights. So I paid no attention to it. And a few minutes later, it passed the window again. And I saw it and it, it appeared to be something like a, like a tall robe clad monk like figure. And it scared me. And I, I ran inside and, you know, locked the doors and everything, went inside and I told my mother, um, you know, I, I got school in the morning, I'm going shower and I didn't tell her anything. So when I got out the shower, she told me that when I was in the shower and she was looking out the back door into the yard, she saw the figure that I saw. It was a, she said it was a, a, a figure that looked like a monk who was standing by the window to my workshop. So it was two people who saw the same thing at, in the same location, completely independent of one another. So it, it's stuff like that that happened around the house. Like I said, that, that kind of got me involved into trying to find out exactly what it is that I, I was experiencing. Was there ever a, uh... Did you ever have anyone come in and do an investigation of no, the home? Or? No, no, never did. Nope, so not you, at all. So no idea as to where these phantom figures were coming from? Or? No, in fact, I don't even know what a, what a ghost hunter was until I happened to watch an episode of Ghost Hunters. Then I, then I learned. Mark, did you have anything happen to you in the in the childhood home? Yeah, uh, like David said, I, I mean, I remember those nights David's talking about. Uh, I remember him talking to my mother about it. Uh, seen a shadow figure in a hallway. The same hallway he's talking about uh, was a hallway went from one room to the other room. It's about, David's by that bathroom, I'm going to say it's about 15, 20 feet. And uh, it was my brother Mike's room at the time. And I remember I was laying down in Mike's room, uh, watching TV, laying on the bed, and turned over, looked to my right for some reason down the hallway. And large shadow man is the best way I could describe it. Uh, I had a hat. Kind of like, kind of like what they talk about. Uh, I know it was big enough to uh, to pretty much take up the entire doorway. Uh, and it kind of looked at it, it kind of looked back at the TV, and then kind of got, what, what was that? You know, and that's usually the way it is when you see something. You look at something, you kind of look away, and then then your mind kind of catches in, like what 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 was there? And you look back, and it's gone. Uh, had that several times. Names being called out. We used to get a lot of death warnings, uh, which really kind of early on in our paranormal, I think, caused a little bit more fear for me growing up because anytime anybody in the family would die, we would get notifications before. And it would wow. usually come in the form of three knocks. Yeah. Three so knocks. we'd be sitting around the house and we'd hear just on a wall. Uh, and you knew within two or three days, somebody in the family was going to die. Uh, we looked that up for years. And I think we finally found somebody that's told us it's kind of like from Irish uh, folklore. And then uh, scratching at the screens, uh, things being misplaced, uh, crosses being pulled off of walls. Yeah, wow. that, uh, that's a story that I, that I want to tell those guys. It seems like yeah. a lot of activity happened in a certain area of the house with the crucifix on in, in the front bedroom of the house. My mother had a crucifix on a wall and we had taken a vacation to uh, South Dakota to see Mount Rushmore. And we came home and my mother called me into the front bedroom of the house because that's kind of where she stored like the, the jackets and stuff. And she says, do you know anything about this crucifix laying on the floor? And I was like, well, no, we just got home. What do I know about the crucifix laying on the floor? But what's weird about it is not only was the crucifix laying on the wall, but they pulled the nail whatever it was, pull the nail out the stud. And that was laying next to the crucifix. And you could see like the sheetrock dust and everything around the nail. So it, whatever it is, it pulled the, the nail out the wall with, with a force that it removed, you know, some of the sheetrock and stuff with it. So it's really strange stuff like that, that, that happened around the house. So there are probably two or three hotspots in that house. I would say hotspots. Uh, one of them is right when you walk in the, the house, there's stairs going up uh, to the second floor. You can't walk in the house and not look up there and feel like something is looking down at you. Uh, it's always been like that. That room that Dave is talking about where the cross was pulled off the wall, that's the same room I saw the shadow figure in or room, in that hallway. That's the room I saw the ghost floating to. That's the same room you saw Grandma Eva floated to, and that was Mike's bedroom. And that is the same room that Barbara saw somebody not that long ago, about three or four years ago. Yes, we had a birthday party, whatever, at the house. And uh, she received a phone call from work. So she went to the front bedroom, this bedroom, to get away from all the noise and stuff. And she's sitting on a, on a chair in the room talking on the phone. 
And she swears somebody walked into the room and stood next to her. And at first she thought it was me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how obvious it was. And I was like, no, I, I was still in the room. So she had an experience in the house. And it's like I said, it's always in that room or real close to it. Now, is this house still in your family? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My, my oldest brother lives in it now. My, my parents were living in it. Both our parents are deceased, but now my older brother lives in it. And is there still activity in the home even to this day? I, I really haven't asked him. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything really going on. Or uh, it's just become so normal that he doesn't even bother to tell you anymore. You know, I, I really haven't <laughs> talked to him about it. Uh, he was a mortician, so but... you never know. What's that? <laughs> I said Albert was a mortician, so you never know. I don't oh. even know if stuff So he's right at home with these the spirits, yeah, right? But Albert's had experiences in that house as well, uh, going back to when he was a young man. So you guys grew up in this haunted home? It's still yes. in your. It's still in your family. It fueled yeah. your fueled your passion for the paranormal, mm -hmm. and you started New Orleans Ghost Hunters. Yeah, it was like I said. It was, my my objective was just to validate stuff for myself. I really had no idea that was going to take us as far as far as it has. You know, I thought we were going to be around maybe two or three years to have a handful of investigations. And that was going to be it. I didn't know, you know, 10 years later, 11 years later, we're still going to be going strong. You know, we had our own radio show in New Orleans. We've investigated you know, places in New Orleans. No other group has been allowed to investigate. We had our own radio, uh, radio show on the Internet. And we're still getting requests to do auditions uh, for TV shows. So, yeah, we've gone a lot further than I thought we were going to go. Well, Mark, we'll go back to you. Uh, what, what, let's uh, hear about a a memorable investigation that you had in the city. One that really stands out for you. To our very first one. I mean, and I don't want to start off at the beginning, but like it goes all the way back to the beginning. No. Uh, so, you know, me with my police officer background, uh, my investigative background and growing up uh, in the house with David and David's connection to it. He got our first investigation and we went in there. It was a, uh, is me, uh, Tanya, uh, another member of our team, Keith and David, for our first investigation. And the woman talked and she kind of told us what was going on. Right. And uh, we had no idea what we were doing. And, and that was the funny part. Right. We weren't familiar with uh, wasn't familiar with the uh, with, with the equipment or, or the benefits of it or how we could use it. But we went in and we did an investigation uh, group of rookies going in and uh, we investigated for about two hours. Uh, tried all the techniques that we had seen on TV and, you know, nothing happened and, and, and nothing happened. I remember at one point me and Tanya were in the bathroom and I was talking, uh, recording it in an EVP session, didn't hear nothing. Uh, we left the house and I remember it was late at night. We stopped at a restaurant to get something to eat and we all sat around the table and made fun of ourselves. Like, yeah. I can't believe like we were so stupid to try something like this and, oh my God, this is so fake. It wasn't nothing. <laughs> They're going to think we're a bunch of quacks and all this kind of stuff and laughed because we didn't know what to expect. And, well, what, and Actually, I remember we were all riding home in Mark's van and, and uh, we didn't even get a blink on a K2 meter. Yeah, and like, I remember telling Mark, we didn't catch anything. We're telling everybody, we didn't catch anything. You know, it was nothing happened. And I think all this goes on TV is a bunch of BS. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, uh, two days later, he calls me on the phone, and he's like, uh, we got an EVP. And I was like, no, we don't. He's like, no, no, we really, we got an EVP. And I, I did not believe it. But uh, I'll let him tell you about that, because he's the one that discovered it. Well, yeah, I was, I was going through the evidence, and I'm, I'm really skeptical. It was about two, but after we investigated for about four hours, not two hours, and we were going through, <laughs> nothing's happening, you know, and you, you're new to this, and all of a sudden, I hear something in the background. So... I mark it, you know, and, and uh, bring it up on, our, on analysis software, turn up the volume and stuff. And lo and behold, we got a little girl talking to Mark. Mm -hmm. And one of the, uh, the claims that the homeowner said was that she sensed there was a little girl around the house. And what happens is Mark is, is saying, you know, if you want, I won't take your picture if you don't want it taken. And clear as day in the background, you can hear a little girl telling him, go away. And that about cinched me, yet they got something out there. You know, there's something paranormal. And it was that EVP that really kept us going because had I not captured that EVP, or when I captured EVP, I probably would have said, this is all a bunch of BS, and that would, have, that would be the end of it. 
But because we did catch it, uh, it, it kept us going and why we're still here today. I think that's one of the things, you know, one of my one of my loves in the paranormal, we've had several of them, is the EVP, right? Because uh, there's things, look, through visuals, you can explain away, you know, through uh, photographs, people say, oh, you tampered with it, you've done this. When you have a voice that's communicating with you or telling you something and there's nobody else there and it's nobody's voice, that is a really good piece of evidence of What's going on now? Is it paranormal? We don't know. We've kind of had different, uh, we've kind of kicked around different ideas of what scientifically might be able to cause it. But I mean, <laughs> but it's, I mean, you, you kind of got to go come up with a whole new set of beliefs just to give that scientific proof where you have something responding to you, answering a question that's not there. That's awesome. It's, it's pretty freaky, like the, your very first EVP. You know, I, I, can, I can remember when I had my a little studio, my own office, uh, it, it was pretty active. And I left a recorder on a chair in the middle of the hallway. And I came back and listened to it. And, you know, it was, it was running for a good 12 hours. And about four or five hours in, all I heard was this, this long, drawn-out breath, this... <sighs> And it was like, whoa, you know, because it's an empty office. There's nobody in there. And it freaked me out. And I thought, this is fantastic, right? Yes. But, it, but it was just a breath. But, you know, the, the whole thing was, it was like you said, there's nobody there. You know, there's no other explanation for it. And it was like directly into the recorder, like someone leaned mm-hmm. down into the chair and, and boom, let, let me have it. So, Well, you know, you're talking about leaving a recorder running. We did that one time at a location. It was somewhat of a plantation style home. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the owners have asked us not to reveal the location, but what happened was we were asked to come in and investigate. And they asked given us to walk through the house. Uh, we walked through the living room, passed the, the, the table and stuff, went up the stairs to the second floor. They gave us a tour upstairs, and it, we all come down the stairs. And as we got to the bottom of the stairs, we all just stopped in our tracks. And I, Mark, I'm sure Mark's going to remember this, is that one of the drawers to the um, chest where they store like the, the knives and the forks and stuff, it was pulled open. And we, we, we're like, wait a second, what is that drawer doing pulled open? Because we just walked past it five minutes ago and that drawer was not open. We would have noticed if it was open. So, uh, you know, I walked over, I slid the door shut and we, we, we're kind of like, what's going on? We don't remember that that door, you know, that drawer being pulled open. So we said, well, you know what? We finished setting up the equipment. We said, let's go get a bite to eat. And while we're going, we'll leave some digital recorders going just in case something does happen. Went to dinner, came back about an hour later. So uh, when I was going through the evidence and listening you know, to recording when nobody was there, I kept hearing this really strange metallic sound, this rattling sound. I really couldn't figure it out until it hit me. And when I went back to the reveal to show the people what we found, I walked over to that very same drawer and it has... I really don't know the name for it. It's type of drawers where the handle is it's like, like on a hinge. And I flicked it up and it was the exact same sound that we captured on that recorder. So while nobody was there, something was playing with that drawer hinge or a similar door, uh, drawer hinge. So that, that's, you know, something that happened when nobody was, was, was in the house. So that was kind of compelling too. Mark, I just want to mention to you, uh, Ra- Rachel and I have been messaging each other uh, on, this, on the side here. And we've we've you've got someone or something with you in that office, right? Because, because we've what's that? Twice. You oh you saw it too? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was That's like good. twice. That yeah. was definitely. Yeah, twice. I'm sorry, I wasn't looking at it. Right, something crossed the crossed by me twice. Twice, yes, yeah. I saw it too. I, yeah. I, I, I just didn't say anything. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! I, I I totally missed this. What's going on? I I, I, to, I I told you we we get EVPs, we get action, we get attacked. You know, so uh, you know, Rachel said Mark has company. Watch his screen. I've seen two flashes, and I said, yeah, I saw. And then I'm glad that you saw it as well. Thank you, Mark. It, it, was, no almost, it was almost like a a pinkish flesh colored. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of caught it on this side of me. Yeah. The one time was almost like photocopier, and the mm-hmm. other one, it almost went under your chin and over. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know what I caught both of those. See, I usually don't say nothing. That reminds me of uh, <laughs> one of the houses we did. Uh, it kind of lead right into another story. Uh, one of the places we did, I think, where we all had an uh, uneasy feeling is a lady called us up. She actually called David and uh, 
a lot of stuff was going on in her house that she felt was, was, was evil. And uh, like her child had climbed to the top of the stairs, like a two-year-old. And then her sister went up to get the child, but her sister couldn't get up the stairs because she was being held back. And she just couldn't get up the stairs. So the, the girl had to go up the stairs, get her baby. She comes back. She's in the kitchen. She's trying to cook dinner. And then something moves up like a big dark shadow moves up behind her, at which time she decides it's time to leave the house, right? So she calls us up and she's like, you know, when can you get to the house? When can you get to the house? She's like, hey, we'll get there. Children are involved. We'll get there as soon as possible. It was like we showed up on a Friday afternoon several days later, like maybe three days later. And when we get to the house, she's standing on the porch with a suitcase in bags. She hasn't been in the house yet. I mean, she's that afraid of the house. And uh, we're like, what are you doing? And she's like, I wasn't coming in. When you guys are here, I'm going to come in, get everything, and I'm leaving. And we're like, well, all right. You know, and we investigated, and that was one of the coolest investigations we have ever had. There yeah, was, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, we, we exp experienced stuff that I had to see to believe. Mm -hmm. We, uh, and I know it's kind of like, you know, really off. But uh, that was one of the things is she kind of told us about some of the complaints. It was very obvious when you walked into the house, there was like uh, holes in the wall that had been punched. Uh, evidently signs of domestic violence from a former relationship. Uh, so much so that the front and the back door was secured by two by sixes. Like, oh. like yeah, yes, castle, yeah, right, to prevent yeah, two by sixes in. across the doors from the inside. And yeah. I was like, why do you have this on the door? And it was actually to prevent her ex-boyfriend from getting into the house. Yeah. And the holes in the wall was from him punching holes in the wall. So it was really a bad situation. And we're like, man, do we really want to be in here? Suppose this guy shows up, you know? Yeah, that was my view. I'm more afraid of humans than I am of ghosts, you know? <laughs> and uh, she, had, she gave us a tour of the house and uh, we had, going upstairs and I was upstairs by myself, I believe. And I was setting up one of the cameras. Yeah, well, I, was, I was setting up a camera and I knew there was somebody at the doorway looking at me. So I turned around and sure enough, I saw a lady in the doorway looking right at me. And uh, looked at her, she disappeared. So right, I went back and I set up the camera and I went downstairs and I, I told Tanya, uh, come upstairs with me. I didn't want to tell David. Or I didn't want to tell Chris uh, what we had seen because I was hoping somebody else would get a chance to see it throughout the night. So I went up with Tanya, just kind of look, stand here, stand here. Could it have been a shadow? Could have been, couldn't prove what it was. Right. And uh, never told anybody what I've seen David, or, uh, David or Chris and went through the investigation, had some real crazy stuff happen to us at that investigation. Uh, the only investigation I think, David, we've been on where it was almost like something was there poking you. Right. Like just when you were right. ready to walk away, it would poke you and scream at you. Like, or yell at you from another room. Well, or that's, knock something over. You know, I'm, I'm the type of person that I have to see it to believe it. I hear all these stories about, you know, stuff that the paranormal experience, uh, investigators experience. And I'm like, you know, I really have to experience that to believe it. And yeah, it was stuff. I'm now a believer. We had, we had something thrown across the room out of nowhere. So yeah, I believe in that now. Um, uh, also, the, um, I, I believe we went back the second time. I don't believe you were there yet when we were setting up the equipment and something yelled at us down the no, hall. That was the one we were leaving. Well, we no, he yelled at us the first time. He yelled at us when we first got there. I was walking past the room and something actually yelled at me out the room. And I was like, what is that? And I w walked in the room and I looked around. There was mm -hmm. nobody. So we, we, no, I did the investigation. We're picking up the equipment and something yells at us again down the hallway. And a homeowner comes upstairs and was like, hey, you guys calling us? We're like, no, you know, you, you heard that too. So the homeowner downstairs and us upstairs taking down equipment actually heard something yell at us, like, like trying to get our attention. It, it, was, okay. it was stuff like that in the house. Yeah. Uh, um, what was really strange um, we were investigating the master bedroom with the homeowner and something was thrown across the room and you could actually hear it bounce off the wall and it bounce off the skip off the floor and bounce off the wall. And, you know, you can, you can hear me say, you know, what the hell was that? So we had a digital recorder going in the next bedroom. And what's odd is that the digital recorder in the next room 
captured that event. It's a non, it's nine seconds in time duration. It recorded it three times, the same event, three times in a four hour investigation. It only captured this one incident occurring in the next room three times. So I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, it, it, it just was a, a, a fluke, you know, who knows what happened, you know, it, it just repeated itself. It looped it three times. So, so well, I'll find out. So I went back and using, you know, the, the sound analysis software with blue waves and stuff. I said, for if, if it recorded in a loop, everyone will be the same. Well, they weren't. It recorded the same event three different ways. They each have different wave signatures. And that's really, really odd. And we have no explanation for that. You know, the, the recorder in the room didn't, didn't record it that way. It was, you know, real time. But how does a recorder in the next room record the same event three different ways. Uh, David. Yo. Do you guys, uh, how do you get your investigations? Do people come to you? Is it mostly residential homes where people have problems or do you knock on doors and say, hey, we love this, no. we, we love this old plantation. We'd love to get in there. That type no, of we, it, most of the time it's people contacting us. Uh, I'm used to the contact for the group. They contact me either from Facebook or through our website and it's usually like, hey, I think something's going on in the house. Can you guys come in here, see what you can find, just to make sure I'm not going crazy. And most often or not, we go in there. We'll catch an EVP or two, and we'll show it to them. We'll play it for them. And they're fine with it. They're okay after that. Everything's fine. You know, and we never hear from them again. It's, it's just like they just want validation to what, to what they're experiencing. Um, every now and then, we might luck out and get a call from a, from a historic place, access to come in and investigate. Um, for some reason, a lot of places that did call us in and ask us to investigate, they asked us not to reveal it. Uh, I guess they have their reasons. Um, one thing I know is that we, we investigated one place and we made it public. And all of a sudden they were, you know, inundated with ghost hunting groups wanting to go in there and investigate it. So I think that that might be why they don't want to do it. You know, they just want validation that something's going on, but they just don't want to be bothered with, you know, 20 paranormal groups wanting to go in there and investigate. Right. Um, New Orleans is known for its haunted past. Um, we've seen lots of locations on ghost adventures, ghost hunters, and other shows. Is, uh, is there a, a location in the city that is on your bucket list, one that you're dying to get in there and investigate? Mark's laughing and David's like... Well, you know... <laughs> I, I did a lot of research in his, in, into the haunted locations in New Orleans. Um, you know, I've, I've looked at the records of the house, uh, at the New Orleans Historic uh, Collection. It has all the records of the houses, you know, since the 1700s. And a lot of the stories just don't match the history of the house. You know, one, you know uh, almost every place is, you know, it was a, once a Civil War hospital. And yet there's no record of the place being a Civil War hospital. You know, a lot of them is, you know, the owner of the place hanged himself and now his ghost lingers around. Yet there's no record of anybody living by that name living in that place or even, you know, being hanged in that place. So a lot of it is lore. Um, now, as far as one of the most famous places that everybody wants to investigate is a Lolari mansion. And, you know, we, I, I really don't know. I'm sitting on the fence about that one because nothing really happened there for, for it to be haunted. Most of the stories about it aren't, aren't true. It's been really, really embellished. But that bucket list, there's got to be a place. Charity Hospital, but. Charity but Hospital. Yes, yeah, that'll, 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 probably, that'll probably have some ghosts in it. Oh uh, yeah, but I, what they're they're redoing that. They're like they closed it yes. down. Uh, they yes. I think the Navy SEALs used to go in there and train, and then they stopped them guys from going in there because it was so dangerous. The ghosts, uh, the ghosts ran them out. Yeah, no, uh, no, no, no. I think they like the transients ran them out. Yeah, they, they <laughs> shut they shut down Charity Hospital. Um, that place was haunted. Yeah, they shut it down for right after Katrina, and uh, they're turning it into uh, apartments. It's going to be a very large apartment complex, but the. But from what I understand, there's all, they're also, it's also going to be involved with the medical industry somehow. How, I don't know, but it is going to be utilized for some medical. They did have problems with these urban explorers and some ghost hunters breaking into the building. 
And they are arresting them. They, they are track. I do know this for a fact. They are tracking some down. They have tracked them down and they are arresting them for trespassing. Um, but it, the building is just really, really unsafe. That's why they don't want anybody in the building. It's really, it's really dangerous, you know, and um, it, it's just a, a, a liability. So that's why they're not really letting anybody go into the building. Because uh, a lot of cities have ghost walks and they embrace their uh, haunted folklore. Is New Orleans that type of city that, that embraces it and welcomes it? Or do they kind of try and push Some it away? do. Some do and some don't. Uh, some hotels, um, they, want, they, want you, they, they want it known that it's haunted because it brings in uh, customers. Uh, an example, the Bourbon Orleans. Uh, you investigate the Bourbon Orleans Hotel. You, if you stay there, you can investigate it. And the, the elevator door opens, and they got people standing with ghost hunting equipment. They want people to come and investigate it. Whereas other hotels don't even, you know, don't even show up with a K2 meter. They'll actually put it away because they don't want it known to be haunted. They're afraid it's going to kind of keep away customers. So, like I said, you know, yes and no. Some want to be known for being haunted. Others, not so much. Like the reputation, without getting nasty, I, I think some like the, the reputation of being haunted, but uh, all they want is a reputation. They don't want anything that can confirm whether it is or not, because like David says, the stories just don't add up. Uh, the stories are not true that they tell. Right. Um, Mark, while we were waiting for David to stop stuffing dollar bills down that girl's G-string, we were talking right. a little bit, and uh, <laughs> I was talking about some of the other um, folklore, especially in uh, Louisiana, and I mentioned Dogman, and you had yes. correct, and corrected yes, me. Yes, and, and that is that is something that y'all would call it uh, right? there, but no, we do not have a Dogman in Louisiana. Uh, and Louisiana has a very, very, uh, very, very special folklore, and it really becomes a, from a lot of our history uh, in the blends of our history. Some of it, believe it or not, that the the history of Aruguru is going to be directly related to you guys and up where you're at. Uh, kind of a little history of the uh, Aruguru, and, and people go, oh, you mean the Loop Guru, right? Which is the French for werewolf. And no, mm -hmm. it's a totally different creature. The ours is called the Ruguru. Uh, what's so cool about the Ruguru is knowing the history of Louisiana. So our family, uh, we've kind of actually traced it back. David did it. Our family was actually kicked out of Nova Scotia uh, at the end of the French and Indian War. Uh, well, and our family actually came to Marksville, Louisiana in 16. Well, just, just a little brief thing. It, I've been able to track back my mother's side of the family through her father uh, to France they, uh, to 1550 or something like that. Right. And uh, they came from uh, France to uh, which was – which is now Canada, but they went there to Quebec and um, Nova Scotia in 1650. Mm -hmm. And in 1750, they were, they were kicked out. You know, they burned their houses. They killed their livestock. They kicked them out. And it was the uh, Acadian migration down to Louisiana. So mm -hmm. our family is you know, part of the phrase Acadians to sell in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana was kicked out of then you know, now Canada by, by the British. So that's alluded to what Mark was kind of getting to. Yeah. So if you look at like the history of the French that were up there, you know, they spent a lot of time with the Mohegan people, with the Iroquois and all that. Comes the legend of, well, you guys know this, the Wendigo, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so when that culture of the French came down here, they brought the traditions of the Wendigo, which is a spiritual animal, and they combined it with the history of the French werewolf, right? And combined the Wendigo and the Loop Guru into a new creature called the Rougarou. So a lot of people think it is a werewolf. It's really not. It's been described as a bunch of different things. It's been described as a, as a half pig, half man, uh, a half boar, uh, bear, something like that. Because why? We don't have a lot of werewolves. We don't have a lot of wolves down here in Louisiana. It's just not what we're known for, right? Uh, so it kind of became a story. It's a lot different than the traditional werewolf. Uh, you don't have to get bit by the Rougarou uh, to become a Rougarou. Uh, you just have to look into the eyes of a Rougarou, kind of like the Wendigo. That's where that comes from. It's more of a spiritual possession. It's more of a spiritual creature. Uh, werewolves, where they, you know, would be a werewolf for life. 
you're a Rougarou for a year uh, until you draw somebody else's blood. Does, don't have to kill them, but they'll become the Rougarou. Uh, if you talk about a Rougarou, if you see a Rougarou and you talk about it, you'll commit suicide. That's one of the folklores down here. Uh, another folklore down here about the Rougarou, I love this one, absolutely love this one, is the Rougarou is obsessive compulsive, right? So people down here will put 13 stones in front of their doors because the Rougarou can only count to 12. And he has to keep going back to the beginning and he can't get into your house because of that. That's like, so, you know, it's a really cool creature. Uh, we have the Rougarou, right? And then in the 60s, we, uh, I think it was actually the early 70s, where we caught on to the Honey Island Swamp Monster craze. Yeah. Right? Uh, we have really a big, big swamp. Uh, Diana, God, what's Diana's last name? She was on our show. Her dad was the one that filmed it. Dan Dana Hollyfield. Dana she's Hollyfield. A, she's a daughter, uh, a granddaughter of Holland Ford, who... Who hunted the honey? Who hunted down the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which essentially is a Bigfoot who lives in the swamps of Southern Louisiana. Uh, you know, so we got that going through it, and you know, my my, I like Bigfoot, right? Like if there was one creature, two creatures I wish could really exist, it would be the Loch Ness monster and uh, Bigfoot, because that's kind of what we grew up on. You know, I've always <laughs> thought that maybe uh, the Honey Island Swamp Monster could have possibly been more related to a swamp, uh, the skunk ape in Florida. You know, maybe there's some type of migration pattern that goes on down there that I believe in. Uh, and then we got, we got a whole bunch of other things. Do you guys ever get contacted about Bigfoot or Rougarous and like people saying, no. Hey, I don't know who to turn to. And, uh, no, the, the only, the only time I remember getting contacted by for the Rougarou was uh, last year when, the axe marked to hunt it down for a TV show. That's right. The axe marked to hunt the Rougarou down. I was like, man, I hope I find it, you know. But uh, we ended up doing the grunch, I think it was. Uh, and the grunch is another kind of one of those weird creatures that's supposed to be like half man, half goat. Uh, that was in Louisiana, uh, around New Orleans. Uh, we have a very, very rich history of that kind of stuff. And a lot of it very unique to us because of the French and the Haitian cultures and the African cultures and the Spanish culture. So when you take a you take it to a blend, that is really what our culture is. What makes Louisiana so unique, what makes all the, the creatures so unique and the beliefs all unique is it's not like you have an English dominant belief system. You have a you know Caribbean island, uh, African, French, Spanish, English mixture which kind of makes us unique. And I think that's why we love New Orleans so much. It feels like a European city a lot of times more than an American city. Now, is the voodoo culture really big in New Orleans? Yeah, it, it can be. Uh, yeah. It depends on, you know, <laughs> we. so me and David, it, we get sometimes more history ta uh, excited talking about the history uh, than we do about the ghost. Uh, I think that's why we love ghosts so much because down here it's our one chance to touch the past. Right. Uh, and, and that's really what kind of drives me is that's the closest I'm ever going to get to it. Uh, Marie Laveau was really big down here, of course. Uh, she was a voodoo priestess. Uh, but the voodoo cultures down here are a lot different than people think. Like people don't realize that Marie Laveau actually ended her life as a Christian who used to go to St. Louis Cathedral every day and pray. And she actually did a lot of work with the church, uh, with the jails down here helping uh, at the end of her life, she used to go into the jails and, uh, well, the one jail, the Calaboose that was down there and, and help people convert. Uh, so, you know, it, so what happens is with the voodoo culture, when somebody would get old, the voodoo practitioners would vote them out and would both vote in a new priestess or a new priest that was to lead the uh, traditions. Marie Laveau, she was a hairdresser, right? And because she was a hairdresser, that was her trait. She wasn't a voodoo priestess. She was a hairdresser mm. who dealt around with a bunch of women telling stories in gossip. That's how That's she found that information on people. So lots of great stories behind it, but there's always that little element of truth of what was really going on there, which makes it really cool. Mark, we've said we've seen something floating around your office there while we're mm -hmm. speaking. Have you guys ever taken anything home from an investigation that you wish you hadn't? And is there any way that you guys protect yourselves before you know, or after? I, 
I, I have, I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the team. I haven't, but then again, um, I was given a small cross by a priest who was, I happened to be at a location where, where it was a priest. And I was talking to him about the paranormal and he gave me a, a cross he was wearing. He says, here, wear this for protection. And I'm like, no, it's yours. I don't want to take it. And it's like, no, I can get them all the time. So he gave me this cross to wear. So I wear it just, just in case. And I've, I've never had anything uh, follow me home. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and, and that's really kind of a, a, maybe not the answer you're looking for is, yeah, at my old house, some things used to happen. But no matter what house I've lived in, things used to happen. I don't necessarily believe, I believe locations are haunted, but I believe people can be haunted too. Absolutely. You know, and, and so to say I took something from a place, the only place I wouldn't have wanted to take something from was from that one house we talked about because I felt there was something bad there. But I can't tell if it's just something that's always been there or I don't think I brought it, you know? Mm-hmm. I have, hope you, I didn't. have you found that over the years as well as as you're trying to contact spirits that the both of you have opened up a little and maybe you know developed some clairvoyancy or some mediumship i mean you're obviously seeing things uh, both of you have since childhood but you still see things when you go to other people's homes or um i'm probably the only one in the group who actually who, who will occasionally see things and I, and I still approach it as could have been my imagination. I mean, I've seen things as clear as day. And I'm like, well, could have, is, is there a rational explanation to it? Because even though we've been doing this for 11 years, I'm still skeptical. You know, I, I'm wondering if it's my mind playing tricks on me. Did it, you know, and it, it's just it's just my nature. I'm not one to jump in and say, oh, I saw something is truly a ghost. You know, you know, it, I know there's so many things that can cause people to experience experience stuff that it, it kind of makes me, like I said, kind of skeptical. They're really, they're really see it or not. You guys are still investigating. Yeah, we're still investigating. And, still. and to my surprise, we're still getting requests, even with COVID going on it, you know, it slowed down just a little bit, but no, we're still getting a, a lot of requests uh, for investigations. Awesome guys. Just before we uh, start to wrap things up, can we get one last memorable investigation? One that really stands out on the books and, Fort Morgan. All right. <laughs> David's ready to go. We, we were given the opportunity to go and investigate Fort Morgan, which was once Fort Boyer. It's on, a, uh, it's on the Gulf of Mexico by Alabama. And Mark and I went in um, two weeks ahead of time to scout out the fort, survey it, because we wanted to know how the fort was laid out. We wanted where the electricity was and everything, because we didn't want to walk in there and try to be finding all this stuff. And uh, I actually experienced what I believe was an orb. We walked into a room, which was the ammunition room, pitch dark. We walked to the room to find out what was in there. Mark was about 10 feet in front of me. And over his right shoulder, this little ball of greenish blue light appeared out of nowhere. And it shot past him, past me. And I turned and watched it go out the door. And it was almost like a, like a comet because it had a tail on it. Well, about two weeks later, when we went in and investigated, that was just about the area where I came face to face with an apparition. And I actually... We actually stood there for about a second or two looking at one another. And I watched it whisk away. It went through a doorway, turned a corner, and went down a hallway. Uh, both Mark and I experienced uh, a, a strange light on a wall at the same location at two different times. Um, I heard what, I, what, I, what sounded like somebody rattling a keychain. And I kept looking like, well, what is, what is that sound coming from? And this big wooden door slammed closed. And we went and investigated. We found out it was a chain on the door. So, yeah, there was some strange stuff happening on the fort. In fact, we even got it. We had a camera set up on a second story of the fort, and something moves the camera back and forth. And we have no explanation for that. So that, that, was, that was quite a, a memorable uh, investigation. Mark, anything to add to that story? Uh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I remember I saw that light moving across the wall that we had seen all night it was kind of like a lantern that was swinging. I had left the fort and I had come back in and uh, very famous fort. I mean, it's if you've ever heard the, the, the phrase, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead, full speed ahead. It's where it originated from when Farragut was attacking Alabama. Uh, but when I walked back in, it looked like there was a lantern moving across the wall. 
by one of the, what would have been a shop. And I remember screaming at it, like, who's there? By the time I got to it, it was gone. You know, uh, we've been very, very lucky. We have, we have really seen stuff we can't explain. And we investigated places that have great history, the bourbon Orleans, the quadroon ballrooms. Uh, man, we've, we've been blessed in a lot of ways to get a chance to, to do something like that. Been scratched. That was great. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's just we've had some great, great experiences. What kind of equipment are you using when you go on your investigations? You know, we just believe in the basic stuff. K2 meters, which, which, well, is an indicator because a K2 meter lets you know you're picking up something, but it doesn't tell you what you're picking up. So we use digital voice recorders because you can capture uh, voices as evidence. We use digital cameras because you can capture a picture as evidence. A video recorder, you know, all infrared because you can you can pick up a video of something as evidence. A lot of the stuff is just it just picks up stuff, but it's no it has no way of recording data and it, it lets you, it doesn't tell you what you're picking up. So we just believe in a lot of the the basic a lot of the basic stuff. We don't believe in a lot of uh, bells and whistles and a lot of stuff produces false positives and it's and i personally i just don't believe in a lot of it right hmm. yeah i i think uh, i feel the same way i think uh, the simpler the better as right. far as when you're out there and, right. uh, and well, it's what you feel and what you see and well yeah. you know when we first started marcus talking about our very first investigation all we had was a k2 meter a couple of digital recorders some digital um uh, you can't see it in, in infrared. We had one infrared recorder, and and then as we as we grew, we got more equipment, and it just seemed like it was just too much evidence to go over. We weren't capturing any more compelling evidence, and it was just a lot more funner using the basics. And if we would go into a location with no electricity, we could use a lot of that equipment. Where some of it, you know, you you can't bring. You know, you can't bring a a, a, a CCTV system with eight cameras. You have no place to plug it in. Mm -hmm. uh, so plus we got rid of the cctv system because the, the the quality was poor and everything so we went to to we went to, we went to high def definition cameras mm -hmm. uh where we can put them wherever we want them they have to worry about running electricity or cables we just take the card out of them stick it mm -hmm. in the laptop and we can, can instantly transfer our data so uh that that's some of the changes we made but uh, like you I, I definitely like going old school it's a lot, it's a lot more funner and the evidence seems to be a lot more compelling yeah. You don't waste a whole lot of time. Right. You, know, you right. get there and you, you set up cameras for over an hour, right, and, and kill a whole lot. And, you know, too much equipment is kind of like an iPhone. It's kind of crazy when I say that. Look around you. Everybody is looking at this piece of equipment in their hand and they're missing the world around them. Like people go to places and record stuff they'll never watch again to watch it through an iPhone. Yeah. And miss the, and miss the actual experience of being there. Yeah. And I think, like you said, when you're ghost hunting, part of it is the experience of being there, using your senses. Like, you know, our ancestors long, long, long time ago didn't have all of this. They still experienced things, right? That's right. They weren't able to capture it. And I think maybe a long time ago, they might probably a lot more in tune to it than we right. are today because of uh, too much equipment. Absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, uh, Rachel is our resident psychic medium and she picks up on things uh with our guests and she's been furiously writing things down so i'll, I'll turn it over to rachel and go from there don't scare me too much rachel oh no 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 scaring here i just first off i want to say you guys have the best energy around i love it um a lot of pure heart comes from both of you guys i actually can breathe real big around you. And that's something there's some people I can't do take a deep breath around and you guys I can. So that just shows me you guys have really good energy. So what I wrote down, I'm not sure who it's for, like, um, because there's two of you here, it could be for one it could be for both, both of you could be for, you know, either or but you guys will know who the message is for. Um, I kind of I'm leaning maybe towards Mark here, though, but it, it like, Tell me if I'm wrong, David, it might be for you. Um, somebody is to listen more to their divine guidance, their inside thoughts here. Um, 
with that, you're able to balance your priorities. Um, and don't be shy. Take that praise when, uh, when it's given to you, cause you, you don't right now. And you're deserving of that gratitude. You're deserving of all of the praise you get. Um, unexpected opportunities are coming for somebody too. Um, it's something that you've already put out there that you want, but, um, I'm going to win the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's something like that, but um, um, except don't forget your friends in Canada. <laughs> right. I know a dude that can invest your money. He's awesome. There you go. <laughs> this, this, uh, you guys are great people. So, um, and then somebody has a, an idea and it's, I get, I got this twice. I wrote it down two separate times. There's a unique idea. It's a brilliant idea. Um, you, you are inspired by it. Uh, the thing is you got to communicate it to make it work. Um, that's important. So I don't know which one of you has some great idea deep down in your bones, but there is a plan. You just need to get it out there, communicate what you want. Um, and by, you'll make your choices by listening to your heart because your heart's the one that's giving you these ideas, giving you these choices and follow the direction that you're given by listening to your heart. Um, And like when you listen to your heart, you're, you're given joy, you're given vibration. Like it's just super positive when you allow that, that energy to come through you. And um, make sure you have patience with yourself too. I know you want to win the race at the end of the, the day, but slow and steady, bring those dreams into play. Um, and the other thing was um, spending time alone. Um, again, focusing on love. It's when you do spend time alone, those ideas come and that when your heart is open. So keep doing those times alone if you can. And um Somebody has an important decision that they're pushing off. I think they're like procrastinating about it too. Um, And maybe they're worried about upsetting somebody else. Don't worry about that. You know what the choice is that you have to make. Make that choice. You know the right answer. Move on. Does that help you guys? (laughs) Any of that make sense to anybody? Well, I'm I'm basically full of ideas, but it's not really paranormal. It's it's, some other things I'm involved with. Right. So yeah, I got I got ideas, and I'm and I'm basically a, a, a loner. I tend to be work by myself a lot. Alrighty, guys, we are a Canadian podcast, but most of our listeners are in the USA. Uh, for our American listeners who might be in Louisiana or the New Orleans area, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, uh, you can go to our website, which is New Orleans Ghost Hunters, or you can go to our website, which is New Orleans Ghost Hunters dot com. Real, real, real simple. Alrighty. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the Phantom Faction Podcast. Uh, Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.